and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm Nicole Kimanjian. I'm here with Cody Richard and the host of this show, Jeff Rappaport. This is episode 228, and today is part two with Nick Legamaro, who is covering buying and selling notes. While listening to this episode, if you guys have questions, please head over to the Creative Financing Podcast Facebook group. If you're not part of the community, just search Creative Financing Podcast in Facebook and ask to join. There will be a live session on the second Thursday of every month, so bring your questions. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can ask your questions in the comments below. Lastly, we want to thank you for subscribing, liking, and sharing this podcast with your friends. Nick, thank you again for being with us. Uh, that first episode was Yeah, it seems like it was just yesterday or today. Hey, it, was. it was actually just today. <laughs> But uh, today, this episode, we're gonna we're gonna answer some questions, and then we're gonna do some visual stuff on exactly what you do. And and here, here's what I want my listeners to understand: you are not going to truly grasp this concept in 20, 30 minutes. Uh, looking at this and saying, "Oh, okay," um, what this is more about is what is possible, um, and. It it is so possible, Nick. Do you do anything really else other than this particular strategy? No, I don't, Jeff. I learned a long time ago if uh, if it's good enough for the bank, it's probably good enough for most, and it's definitely good enough for me. You, so, you know what I like the most about this is people say to me all the time, "You know, I want to own rentals," and I said, "Why?" And they said, "For the passive income," and I said you know, it's really not that passive, right? And they say, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, even if you have a management company, you, you don't think your management company is going to not be the best and you're going to have to jump in and they're not, there's still maintenance and repairs. You know, if you buy a rental house and you're making $350, $400 a month cash flow and you got to replace the roof in year two, um, you probably just did up two, maybe two and a half to three years of cash flow. Um, it's really not passive. You want passive, you want notes. And uh, th that's the only thing you got to worry about, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but did I get my payment this month? Yes. Th that's it, right? It's about <laughs> as passive as you're ever going to get, at least in my world. Um uh, and, you know, people, the biggest argument I hear is that, well, I don't get depreciation. Well, and I'm like, and you're right, but I do get amortization. You also and, don't get to pay it back when you sell it. Absolutely. I don't <laughs> have, but I also don't have deferred maintenance. I don't have liability. I don't have a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. You make a list of things that you have and what you don't have. I don't have a problem not having. I'll just go do another, another deal, Jeff. That's it. Yeah. And, I, and I always go back and... People can like banks, they can not like banks. But if it's, I always say that the banks, banks control the hammer a lot, right? They're very powerful. That's yeah. why the biggest buildings in almost every city or even in the small towns on the main corners are banks. Yep. They can, they control it. So you, if you can learn and understand what a bank does, I always say this, and I say it sort of facetiously, the reason why you own rental properties is because you don't know how to be a bank. And there's more to it than that because there are some values to owning. Uh, uh, of uh, appreciation owning. in the last few years. 100%. Has been worth 100%. It. You can't, but you know what? Guess what? 
let's see how that works out now moving forward. And we totally talked about this on the last episode. At least the note is linear, meaning it doesn't matter if the market goes up or goes down. doesn't matter if values go up or go down. You're going to still get your same return. And there's something to be said about a consistent, predictable return. Can you make more money? Can you make more money doing other strategies? A hundred percent. Can you, can you, can you have less, can you have more risk by making a higher return? Absolutely. Yep. The whole idea of what we want to do and we're going to show in the model is how do we get cash flow, but having zero to no risk, right? Because yep. if we can structure it where you have that, then you have infinite return. Well, if you have an infinite return, Jeff, it, there is no argument. You cannot argue against infinite return. Right. You say I can make, well, you're only making $200 a month with infinite return. I can make $300 a month with risk. Okay, well, fine. How do you mitigate? How do you, how do you, uh, you know, show how much, you know, I can make $1,000 a month, but have tremendous risk. Is that something that you really want to do? I would say for most people, not. Okay. Some people are risk takers. I'm a risk taker, but here's when I want to take the risk, Jeff, when I've already made the money. Yeah. I'm not dealing with my capital stack. I'm trying to preserve my capital stack and grow it, then take the profits from the growth. And then I'll be all in, man. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be super aggressive because once you deplete the capital stack, you can't use it to make more money. You can't grow your, can't grow it. So that's basically it. So we'll get into the model here in a, in a second. Yep. But um, before I want to do that, I want to talk about because the model that we're going to show is all about creating a first and second lien, okay, a mortgage. And I'm going to show how you can create a, um, a first and a second mortgage and get some, hopefully get some cash now, some cash flow, and then cash later. And we'll sh- the model will show that. So but I want to make sure I, 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 I take a minute to, to really talk about who this is for, okay? Yes. Who can do this, right? Who should be thinking about this strategy as a potential another you know tool in the tool belt, right? Well, wholesalers, okay. Anybody that wholesales properties and and for people who don't know what wholesaling is, I won't take a long time on it. It's going and negotiating it a, a, a property with a seller, getting it under contract, and usually taking that contract and assigning it to another buyer, an investor, for a fee. Yep. Put it under contract for hundred. They assign it to an investor for 110,000. They make a $10,000 wholesaler fee. Well, great. Well, why not take that same property and do the strategy that we're going to show and make even more, okay? And I've I've illustrated this numerous times where a wholesaler made $5,000 on the the, uh, transaction and I made 8,000 on the cash now portion of it and still got the back end of it. We'll show that in the model. Yep. Who else is this for? It's for fix and flippers, right? Think about what fix and flipping does, right? Fixing, you, have to, you, you find it, you, you fix it, and you sell it, okay? But the difference is you sell it to a retail buyer versus an owner-occupied seller finance buyer, okay? We'll show that in the model where you can do it as well. So you can take some, that's a very transactional model, meaning you're gonna get all your cash today with no cash flow, in that example, well, you know, do you want $50,000 cash now or do you want $40,000 cash now in a $40,000 note? Well, it depends. It depends on where you are financially and if you really need all that money right now. Who else is this for? It's for, um, I think this is a great strategy for burned out landlords, Jeff. 
Yeah. We talked yeah. about landlords before and landlords, you know, they, they, they already have, they, they, they're, most people are landlords because they want the cash flow, right? We talked about that. But so, well, if we can show a landlord how to get, still get cash flow without owning it and by controlling it, that's a very valuable thing. And there's also this whole thing that you can get um, later and stuff. But, but if you're any one of those people, or if even if you're like even an IRA um, investor, like as you have a self-directed IRA, the notes are very, very um, valuable in my opinion to keep in your portfolio. Look, I'm not, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a CPA. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to give you any advice to anybody. I'm just going to tell you what I do and why I do it. And you can say if it's a good idea or not. Really, it's, it's really a personal opinion. So what I want to talk about real quick before I pull it up, Jeff, is um, you know, the, uh, the process. So let's talk about this process for a second, okay? The real estate transaction process, because it's really important. I want to make sure that people understand that what we're talking about doing is not difficult. It's just complex, okay? Yep. So it's just, compl- it's just more steps to it. So, which scares a lot of people away. However, it's that doesn't have to be done by the individual. There's people out there that act on your behalf that help you facilitate the, the, the transaction. There's title companies, there's servicers, there's underwriters, right? There's t- attorneys. They are the who that gets the job done. So if you think about it like this. It doesn't matter what you what you what your strategy is. You still got to find the property. Will we agree? Yep. Yep. You got to find it. Then what's the next thing you got to do? You got to figure out if it's a deal or not. Yep. Right. For whatever strategy you're going to use, if you're gonna if you're gonna fix and flip it, you got to be able to buy it and fix it for more or for less than you're gonna sell it for. Otherwise, it's not a good business strategy. Probably not a but good deal. Not a good idea. You got to fund it, right? You have to yep. fund the deal. How are you fund it with your cash, hard money? subject to seller finance. There's a lot of ways you can, uh, that you can fund the deal. And then you got to find the buyer, right? So regardless of what strategy you use, you're doing those four things already. What I want to talk about is how do you do all those four things in with a seller financing model? Because owner finance value is different than traditional value, for example, right? Yep. The, 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 t- the type of buyer you're going to get to be your borrower is maybe different than what you would get if you sold it as a retail deal, right? Yep. So what happens is that once you get to that point where you find the buyer, okay, the buyer, the owner finance buyer, then what happens is that it has to go through a whole new set of process that under our jurisdiction and under our control that you normally wouldn't see because that gets passed on through the title company, right? Yep. And and your buyer is going to go to Bank of America, get the loan. So Bank of America is doing all the paperwork over here. Well, technically, we're the seller finance buyer. Uh, We're the seller seller financing to our buyer. So we're the lender now. So now we have to create the promissory notes or we have to create all the the documentation. Security instruments. All the instruments that go along it. So but there's 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 entities and, and partners and vendors that can do all that for you. So even though it's it, it seems like it's a big undertaking, it's really no different than your other transaction is the point that I'm making. That's it. So and, you just got I to think, know where, where to go. And I think people get, you know, whenever they hear something new and they're not 
uh, it's uncomfortable for them. They think it's kind of overwhelming, but in reality, it's it's not that much different than what people have had to learn to do more traditional real estate investing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, exactly right. So you guys, it's no, if you can find the deal, analyze the deal, fund the deal and sell it, that's all you have to do. Yeah. That's all you have to do as a, as the investor. Yep. Now there's other stuff that has to be done, but that's not you that's doing it. There's a who for that. And the who is what I just talked about. So what are the things that have to be done that, 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 so, cause you want to create this note that gives you maximum value so you can exit. And I want to talk about this briefly before I get into the model. Number one, you have to underwrite the buyer. Okay. What does underwriting the buyer mean? It means they have to fill out an application. The credit has to be pulled. You have to validate they are who they say they are. That you have to make sure they have the financial capacity to make the payment. That's all done from with by an, by an RMLO, which is a residential mortgage loan originator. Okay. Don't need to know anything more than what they are and what their responsibility is. And you just need to have that done on your behalf as the seller and the lender. That's it. And they will produce the report that makes it Dodd-Frank compliant. So you can go on to the next thing. The next thing you have to do is what we call stacking the collateral file. And that's just a fancy work, word that says, making sure all the documents are in, in the file, right? The purchase sales of contract, sales agreement, the warranty deeds, the copy of the insurance, the servicing uh, um, uh, application, the well, terms, there, you know, all that Really stuff. quick, what is a servicer, Nick? Yeah, so a servicer is somebody that's basically going to service the note. So if you are a so let's go back to what we talked about before. If you have a if you have a mortgage, right, and you and you go get a bank loan for a mortgage from Wells Fargo, more than likely Wells for Wells Fargo is going to be the servicer. You're going to make that payment to Wells Fargo every month. They're they're big enough. They're going to keep it internally. A third party servicer is somebody that acts like that but doesn't on your behalf because. You're not going to service your own note, Jeff, right? You're going to have somebody else do it. Again, it's the who. You just need to have it put in place. And there's a system and a process for all this. So you don't have to even figure it out on your own. It's already done, right? You just need to know what, what you want to do. And the servicer will become the servicer for you. And what happens is that um, when they go to closing, the buyer goes to closing, just like any typical closing, they will fill out all the paperwork, and then there'll be what's called a payment letter. So the payment letter will clearly define what the borrower is going to do. They're going to make a payment to the servicer, and then the servicer is going to collect that payment, and they're going to disperse the funds accordingly. So if you're the holder on the, if you're the bank, they're going to send you the funds that are payable to you, and they're going to escrow taxes and insurance. So you're not messing with taxes. You're not messing with insurance. Yep. That's what the that's the role of the servicer. What's great about this, Jeff, if you structure it correctly and you follow the 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 protocol that we put we put out there, is that the borrower is paying for all this. Yeah. Right. So the payment is what we call PITIS. P P and I is the principal and interest, which goes to the bank, which is you and me. The taxes and insurance, they get paid to you know, where they go, right? The county and the insurance company. But what's cool about it is that that one payment includes all that. So at the end of the year, the servicer is responsible for making the payment on behalf of the borrower 
to pay that. So I'm not even managing the taxes and insurance. And the servicing is the S, which, you know, there's a different fee depending on where you're located and stuff. But that's also part of the payment that the buyer is paying so that it can be serviced. So you're getting all this work leveraged and done for you. And it didn't cost you a nickel to do it if you structure the deal right. That's probably one of the biggest things I see. We talked about that $28 billion, that $28 billion industry that's seller financing. Of most of the notes that I see that are written, they're done incorrectly from the standpoint. I don't, when I say incorrectly, I don't mean illegally or wrong. I'm just not, I mean, they don't follow best business practices, okay? They don't escrow taxes insurance. Well, that can be a problem if you don't get, if they don't have the money at the end of the year to pay the taxes. Happens all the time, especially on free, on, on property. And then, um, so we want to do that. Or they don't service the note. That's another thing. They try to self-service it. And then a performing note becomes non-performing just like that because they don't have the, the, the seller doesn't have the internal skills to get a, uh, a slow paying borrower back on track where a servicer has qualified individuals and that's their job on behalf of us to get the borrower to pay, okay? There again, it doesn't cost you any, well, it may cost you something if they go non-performing, not gonna get it on that, but at the end of the day, they're a bit, they're able to get it done on your behalf. So that's, that's it, okay? So yeah. that's, stacking, that's stacking the file. It's just putting all the documents, we're, we're, we're creating the story. So when, when a note buyer goes to buy the note, they're looking at all these documents, okay? The documents tell the story and it helps the note buyer feel comfortable with what's been created because there is no history when we create this note from the beginning, okay? So we're creating this thing and we're trying to show that, hey, I'm not just telling you this is a good note. Here's the, here's the documentation and the validation behind it. Why is that all important? Why is all this stuff important? Well, it's because a note buyer is going to pay based on what they have, what they see as perceived risk, okay? They're going to try to assess the risk. So if the note goes into a default situation, what do they have to do to get their money back to protect their investment, okay? These are all the things that we say. So what does all this mean to people that are listening on it? Why is this important? Well, it's important because if you follow what we built in the in the note creating process with creative deal maker okay jeff and in the back inside of it because we're going to get in the model here in a second the national average okay this is i think really really important okay the national average of people that sell a note to get paid on it is between 82 and 84% okay so let's just use a $100,000 note value okay you can expect between $82,000 and $84,000, give or take, for selling that note, okay? However, if you have the, the file correct, correctly stacked and you do everything and you follow best business practices that we teach and we show, you have the likelihood of getting somewhere close to the 90%, okay? So you're talking about an extra $8,000 just for stacking the file correctly and doing things that you should do to begin with. And why is this important? Because you're going to be staying in this deal in the form of the second note. So you really want to protect your investment also because you're holding a second lien position. Okay. And we'll get in that in an example. So that's basically it. But all that stuff, I'm going to say it again, 
All you have to do is what most people are already doing anyway. Find the property, analyze the property to see if it's a deal or not a deal, um, fund it, and then find the buyer. No deal. It's just you're finding a different kind of buyer. Instead of putting it on MLS, you're posting it somewhere else looking for it. Instead of using a traditional bank, maybe you're using a hard money lender to, to buy it, right? Instead of using you know, MLS to find the property to buy, maybe you're finding it through a wholesale. What, there's 50 different ways to do each one of those. All right, so let's, you have any other questions on the process? Yeah. On, on, and then we'll get into the model. So uh, what I want to make a couple of things clear, and th this is why I like this model so much, is that, so that there's a couple of issues when you are looking for properties, right? Like, hey, I've got to buy this property hard money. I can't really do anything with it creative, with creative financing. Well, actually you can now, because what you're going to show is that you can actually take that same deal that you just bought for hard, with hard money and go structure it to an owner financing buyer, sell off the first note and pay off the hard money. So you can actually go and pay cash for these properties and still be able to sell it to an owner financing buyer. And the second thing I really like is if you are able to create some kind of financing, sub two, um, a wrap, whatever the case may be, everyone is concerned about the due on sale clause, right? Everyone, whether you've actually had the, the loan called due or not, that there, there is perceived, um, perceived, uh, risk? yeah, perceived risk that with rising interest rates where interest rates were so low that more and more banks may start calling loans due. Uh, they may or may not. It really doesn't make much sense for banks to call loans due, but sometimes they do. Uh, and using this model takes that risk out of the, completely out of the entire process. So th that's what I really like about this process. Cody, do you have any questions or should we just move on to the model no i think that was really helpful i i would like to see the model more in detail great all right cool do i have a screen you share do. all right super let me um let me pull it up and share it let me know that you can see my screen we can see it can all see right it. perfect so <clears throat> this model is available to download okay uh this is not this is an actual so if, when you get this model in the master, because be, these are all my properties down at the bottom here. So in the master itself, see if I can open the master here. It's a little slow with the connection. Um, in the top here, uh, this, there'll be a little link that's, that tells you there's a little tutorial video, about an eight to 10 minute video, okay? So just so you guys know. So I'm gonna pull up an actual deal that we just, we're doing right now, okay? Yep. This this purchase. So let me set this, the picture a little bit here. This was bought from a wholesaler. He's going to make a fee. I think his fee is about five thousand dollars. Okay. We're gonna we we bought it with hard money. Okay. Yep. And we're gonna we we we're we we're gonna sell it on terms to a owner finance buyer. Okay. So from my understanding, you're buying it like a cash deal, pretty much, and using hard money. Hard money, exactly. You can, I, mean, I would never use cash, but you could use yeah, cash. Yeah. Cash 
cash and our money are the same. So, what I, so there's a lot of stuff going on in the spreadsheet, but I only wanted to talk about the yellow, okay? The yellows are the only things that you really need to do. Everything else calculates out, okay, Jeff? Yep. So first thing I'm gonna do here, and I, and I filled it out for, for, for illustration and time purposes, but I'm just gonna go through this. This really only takes about less than five minutes to run the calculation. I agree. Put, you, put the, you put the address in, you got the acquisition price this is what we paid, okay? The other thing I'm gonna, then we're gonna figure, the maximum owner finance value is basically the sales price, okay? We're gonna sell this at 199.9, okay? The minimum owner finance value, all that is is a quick calculation that says based on my purchase price, I have to be able to sell this for at least $182,857 to break even, okay? That's what that means, okay? okay. So I'm gonna go down here. Um, uh, I got the comp value in there, which I got in here at 205. Um, ZHVI is, is an index that I use and it's a cool index. It stands for Zillow Home Value Index. So what I like to do is I like to go in and I go to Google and I search ZHVI in the zip code. And that gives me the median home price for that area. And I really want to be, um, I don't want to be too far on the high side of the value. So here we're at 179, I'm selling it for 199, I'm okay. But if this was 179 and I was trying to sell this for 269 because it was a bigger house, um, I just, it's just a focal point on what, whether or not I want to move on. Doesn't mean I can't sell it, just means it's just, a, it's just an alert, okay? Um, the other thing I put in here uh, is I want to know what the rolling 12 months is on value. In this particular zip code, this, like most zip codes, there's been a price increase of 19% rolling 12 months, okay? That should go down as we go on. That's what it's been the last 12 months. I didn't put the rent value in here yet, but the rent value might, whatever it is. And there again, it just, we just, it's just a, a benchmark so I can see how much somebody is going to pay to own versus rent. That's all that it is. Doesn't change the deal. So um, in here, I put $19,000 down payment, which is about nine and a half percent. I usually want to see at least seven and a half, eight percent down payment if we're not doing, if we're not making it uh, a move-in ready house. Okay. So if we're, if we're going to take construction and give it as a discount, um, uh, then we, then we want to take a little less money down payment. So they have some more working capital to do the repairs, which benefits us because they're getting, they're building the house and making it worth more. So what I like to do, Jeff, is, so this house is, uh, we're 205. There wasn't a lot of work that needed to be done on it, maybe $10,000. So what I do is I get, I take a 50,000, actually I put two in here. I take a $50,000, actually, this is actually zero, actually. I already got it sold at zero. We would just make an adjustment of, what I like to do is instead of doing the repairs, which a lot of people think they gotta go fix things, right? You guys don't need to fix things in a seller on a seller financing deal, okay? You can sell it as it is and let the buyer do the repair. Now you can't sell them a burnout, right? You can't do that. You can't. It's gotta. It's gotta be a functional house. 
but it doesn't have to have upgraded kitchen cabinets and granite counters and stainless appliances. Okay. It really depends more on the, the scope of work. Would you agree, Nick? Uh, when it's cosmetic, yeah, I think, it's not a problem. Yeah, cosmetics not a problem. I think it really boils down to value. So what what I do is I I, I adjust right now about fifty percent. So for sake of argument, if it's a thirty thousand dollar rehab, I will reduce the uh, the price by fifteen thousand dollars off the off the market value. Okay. And that's my seller finance price. And, and then that's based on that. You think they'll probably do a decent amount of the work on their they own. Will do most of, they will do most of the work. Yes. Because yeah. labor, because what we found out is that labor is a large portion of the, of the cost of a repair, of a rehab, right? Yep. Well, if you're, let's look at a painting a house for a second. Let's think of, let's, I'm, I, I want to just talk about one, one line item in a, in a fix and flip or a rehab paint okay let's talk about paint for a second if you have a 1500 square foot house jeff and you had to hire a painter to go paint it because that's what you thought you needed to do before you could sell it 1500 square feet give me a ballpark it doesn't matter what the number is what do you think it would cost to paint that house three to four thousand dollars three to four thousand dollars i would agree with that now let me ask you the question how much is materials to paint a 1500 square foot house Five hundred dollars, maybe, maybe five hundred. <laughs> yeah, right? right. Okay. Now let me ask you a question one more time. How much value does an appraiser give you by painting a house relative to value? Little to none. Little to none. Okay. That's that's a yeah. big part of this, right? Yeah. So instead of paying the money, pass it on and split the, the savings with the with the buyer, he's going to be my, he's going to be most of the time happy just to be able to buy the house. And he doesn't have to spend extra money for work that you did. And he may not like anyway, you painted the walls, you know, um, contractor gray or whatever hell the color of the week is for, right. for rehabs. And that's not the color they want, but it's brand new paint. Yeah. Repaint it anyway. Yep. You put, you just put home Depot, rental grade cabinets in and the guy that you sold it to is a freaking cabinet maker. Right. He's going to rip them out anyway. So that we want to, we want to, that's why we don't do it. Be quite honest with you, let them do it, but they're going to take that $500 and they're going to go paint. They're going to buy the paint. They're going to paint it themselves. Yep. And you're still going to get the same value out of it. But more, the, the thing is you get velocity out of this, Jeff, because if I don't have to do a rehab, I don't have to wait 30, 45 days and rely on contractors because that, 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 that cost basis is going up and up because I got, I borrowed money to do it. I borrowed in this model right here. It cost me 12.9% and two and two origination points. Yep. If I'm doing a rehab, I'm paying that money every day. If I'm not doing a rehab, I'm going to be able to get out of it quicker. Yep. And that's the model that we want. We call them grandma houses, right? Yep. We want to, we want grandma's house. Anybody ever been to grandma's house? Grandma lives in a clean house and you stay there when you go visit. But the carpet's old and the paint might need a little updating. Yeah. Might need a little bit updating, right? <laughs> she probably doesn't have granite in the kitchen. At least my grandma did not. Okay. But it's perfectly livable. As yep. She lives in it, right? That's it. So let's go down the rest of the model. So yep. you get all this yellow filled in. I always default when I'm not doing rehab to 60 days, okay? Roughly 60 days from when I buy it to when I'm going to close out of the deal. We run, we run them as little as 21, 30 days. 
Sometimes we'll go a little bit longer, but most of the time, 60 days is the, remember this model is, is a, it, we're forecasting the, the potential deal. Cause we're, I mean, we're taking a little time to explain it, but we want to get to the numbers really quick so we can determine what we need to go back and negotiate with the seller if we're going to do it. So I'm going to scroll down a little bit. So all this yellow is filled in. Okay. The other stuff here. This is all just, it's all explained in the video. I'm not going to get into it right now. And then we get into the deal modeling. So the first thing I want to look at, Jeff, is these three, these three green boxes right here. Okay. Yep. And what this says, this is my, my, my snapshot. What I want to see is a minimum of $3,000. I want to see a minimum of $25,000, uh, which is the, the, the total of the cash and the lien value because we're writing a first and a second. Going to sell the first, keep the second as our profit and our cash flow. And I also want to see a minimum of $500 a day profit. What that, you know, this is what people do, right? You can go fix and flip a house for $50,000 profit and it takes you 120 days. How much did you make per day? It's how you can sort of compare and contrast the different other strategies, okay? Now, all this is, is that I know from experience, my personal experience, that if I exceed $3,000, which in this situation, it's $7,968. If I exceed $25,000, here I'm at, I'm at $38,943. And if I exceed $500 a day and this profit per day at 638, if I hit all three of those marks, I have yet to have a, de a deal where I didn't make money on it. Yep. Okay. Now I can't predict if it's going to happen in the future, but based on the numbers that I have, that's what I know from my experience. So if I start, if, if things start changing, well, then we have to make those, take those into consideration. So well, and, and, and I, I would say, Nick, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, go ahead, please. But uh, th this spreadsheet, I, you know, I've probably known you, I don't know, six, seven months, something like that. And uh, that you, you have consistently upgraded this spreadsheet. Now, th this is like the fourth, maybe, maybe more upgrades to the, the very yeah. first one that I've seen. So you're constantly tweaking this. Yes. So, um, and yeah, we want to, it's because there's, it's, it's, it's like one of the changes that's not on here, we're starting, to, we are going to change the note ratio default. I'm going to change it down to about 72%. I'll explain that in a second. Now my numbers change down here. So let's, and I'll explain the reason why when we do this. So this is, let's say this is the snapshot model right now. Okay. Let's just say this is where we're at. Okay. And let's, because uh, I didn't make that one change. Now we're at 2571. That's how much cash now we're going to get when we sell this property, okay? So let me ask you a question, Jeff. How many deals can you do if every time you did a deal, you got a check for $2,500, you got a note that was worth $36,000, how many deals could you do before you run out of money? Uh, infinite. Infinite, right? Yes. That's it. So this is a little bit low, but it goes up. This other second note's there. This is just a... Look, we're just forecasting here. That's all this is. We just want to know if we're close on doing the deal. If you really need to make $5,000 on the deal, guess what you have to do? You have to go to go to negotiate a better sales price on the buy price. Okay, well, then, then offer $122. There's your, there, this is your, these are your levers. So if I change it to $122, oh, well, now I'm at $6,700. I'm good. Yep. Now, can I get it for that? Maybe, maybe not. 
okay? That's what that is. So what I wanna show here is what these numbers all mean. So I'm gonna go back to where it was because I'm perfectly fine with this and we're gonna talk about it. So here is, I'm gonna talk about this little summary right here, okay? This little box here. So what? let's talk about what's happened at this point. We bought the property, we use hard money, okay? So the hard money lender may require you to put some cash out of pocket. You might have to float some money to do the deal. But in this situation, in 60 days or less, you're going to exit out of the transaction by selling the property to an owner finance buyer and creating a first and second lien mortgage. And then we're going to turn around and sell the first, keep the second, keep the cash flow. So let's look at the, where that falls in here. So we're gonna um, we're gonna write a we're gonna write a seventy two percent first, and we're gonna sell the note in the forecast at ninety percent, and that's what yields these numbers. Now, we might find we might get to the buyer, and they might give us twenty percent down, and these numbers will change to our to our to our benefit. But we we want to model conservatively, okay? If you model conservatively, if you're able to gain anything else in the uh, at the end, that's only going to benefit. For, I mean, here's a perfect example. Let's look at the sales commission line right here, yep. sixty nine ninety seven. Okay, I, I in the model it defaults in this this particular one. It's at three and a half percent. Okay, so that means I'm going to have somebody else buy uh, sell this property on my behalf, and I'm going to pay them a commission. Well, Jeff, I can't tell you how many times we sold a property to uh, owner finance buyer by just posting it right. and, and not even paying the 69.97. Well, yep. we want to model it as if we're going to pay it, but you know, if you end up selling this yourself and you avoided the need of paying a marketing fee to somebody else, that's going to go straight to the bottom line. That's However, right. just like you could use cash to take this down and avoid doing a 12% interest rate and a two point origination. We don't, we don't change the model is my point. Let the model be where it is and look at this as worst case scenario and know that you're able to improve on it. It's only going uh, to be a more positive outcome because very rarely does the model, um, does the reality not outperform the model, okay? The actual, when you go back and we do this actual, the actual will usually outperform the model because it's so conservative because, I have a 90% note sale on here. We might get 92% for it, okay? That changes everything, right? So we had 72, so why 72, okay? So at 72%, we're putting the note buyer into a less risky purchase. We talked about that before. If we can afford to go down even lower, it means we're paying, the, 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 the we're selling it for less of a discount, which is, we're keeping more of it, okay? For example, let's look at these numbers real quick here. I'm just gonna show how this works. Right now we're at $2,500 cash and we're at a second note up here of 36,972. Let's just say for sake of argument, I didn't need all that cash and I write this at 70%. Let's see what happens to those two numbers, okay? Now it costs me 1,027 to close the transaction, but my second note goes up to $40,000. Okay, now that when this number is negative, this is why I wanted to show this. Negative doesn't mean loss, okay? 
really important to understand this. What negative means is the investment that you need to make to finish the deal, okay? So this investment would cost me $1,000 to obtain a $40,970 free, well, it's not free and clear because there's a $1,027 cost, but I would invest $1,027 to make the, the, obtain a $40,970 second lien that pays me $358 a month cash flow in perpetuity for 30 years. Pretty good investment, would you agree? I absolutely agree. And you know, yeah. one of the other calculations I would want to look at, and I know that you do, is how quickly do you get that investment back? Yeah, so I think it's over here. Oh, here it is. If it's negative, which it is, the RO the equal if negative equals ROI on net cash flow. So 2.87 months. That's it. Yeah. So I'm going to invest in this example. I'd invest a thousand dollars today to be able to do everything. I have to write a check because when I sell the note, I'm going to still owe more money in this example, $1,027, but I'm going to collect $358 a month in cash flow. So that's basically three months. That's where that number comes in. So people go, well, how much should I, where, 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 where do I, where do I personally draw the line? I like, I don't like to go more than about 12 months. Okay. Doesn't mean it's not a good deal. This is 2.87. I'm just going to change this over here. I'm going to just make it a little bit worse. I'm going to say I only get $15,000 down payment. Okay. Now let's see what that changes it. Now we're at $5,000 and 12.79, but the second lien note goes up again. But here's the reason why I don't like to go much higher than that because I lose velocity of capital. I can run out of money, okay? Now, $5,000 doesn't sound like a lot of money and it may not be a lot to some people, but if you only had $10,000 of working capital, Jeff, how many deals could you do before you run out of money? Hopefully two. You bought two. Yeah. And then you're stuck. So you lose the, you lose the, the ability to, to, to do more deals. So I'm very protective of my capital stack because I don't want to run out. And if you're doing volume, that's exactly what would happen. Because there, look, there's no argument here. This is a great deal. Let's just figure out what the, what the, what the, what the uh, um, return on this. If you're investing $5,000 and you're getting and that, this isn't even a true calculation because it's amortized. You're getting $393. So if you take 393, let's see if I can do it in this little margin here. If I take, if I take 393 times 12 months, right? Oops, 393 uh, times 12, divide that by the investment. Uh, well, not to let me do that. I mean, I guess I didn't do it over here. What's three ninety? An equal sign in front. Yeah, it's because I'm in a Mac and it doesn't. Hmm. It doesn't. It's, and it's also due to. It's going to be like a ninety something percent. Yeah, it's going to be some crazy number, yeah. right? I'm just going to figure it out. Divide that by three ninety three you know, times. I'm just going to put five zero two seven divided by this number right here. It is ninety three percent. Yeah. Ninety three percent return on your investment, Jeff. Yeah, not bad. Who would not? I mean, who would not invest five thousand dollars to get a forty-four thousand if they have five thousand invest? Well, I don't That's know, like, Nick. Maybe you just want to leave it with the bank and see if you can compete with that kind so. of rate of return. Oh, oh, by the way, it's secured by the asset. Okay, right. I mean, I mean, do it. We can go on and go on and go on. 
Yep. So let's just go back. I want to, I, I, we got off a little bit. I just want to make sure I understand all this. So this is the deal. So what are your levers here, right? So these are the main numbers you're looking for right here, okay? If you're happy with these numbers, proceed on. If you're not happy with these numbers, you have to adjust, okay? Well, where are the, where are the, where are the adjustment points? Well, sales, the acquisition price. Can you, yep. can you negotiate a better deal with the seller? Right, because I get people ask all the time. Well, I can't make the deal work. I go, well, then you're not getting a good enough deal on the property. Okay, you know that's one number. Number one, um, you know, down payment. You know, we have it at seven and a half percent now. If this went to twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars, which is possible, it's going to change it. But we want to we want to model it conservatively. So the biggest triggers are going to be the acquisition price and the note ratio. The note ratio, here's the, here's the trick with the note ratio. We can actually, I'm just gonna show you what happens when we go from 70 to 75, okay? Let's watch what happens to these numbers. And I'll explain what this means. If I change that to 75, we're just, we're shifting the, 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 the ratios of the first, the second and the cash, right? So if I go to there, now this goes to four, almost $4,000, the second lien went down. Here's the challenge in this in the market that we're going into, Jeff. Is I when prices were going up, okay, values were going up. I didn't have I could be more aggressive. We could write a 75% first lien to a note buyer because we weren't probably going to be off on value. But when a when a note buyer is looking at you said they're looking at what's called investment to value, right? ITV. And what they're in this example, they're investing in this example, they're investing $134,000. And we say the property is $199,000. Okay. Well, if this property comes in, because we're not doing appraisals on this, and, and the note investor thinks it's only worth 185, then that ratio goes up which in there, the inherited is that there's more risk, right? There's more inherited risk because there's less, uh, it's a higher investment of value. So what I personally like to do, and this is what I've been starting to do, is I'm trying to get this down. 75 is probably, will get you where you want to be 75% of the time, okay? But 70% is going to get you there 98% of the time. Because we already lowered it and we shifted the value, or we shifted away from the cash into the cash flow, but I'm not discounting it. So I, I'm saying I'd rather just be a little more conservative and just take it more in the second note and maybe make a little less cash instead of having the discount and give it away. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So that's it. So any what questions do you now? The note sales discount there again. It depends, right? I can just tell you if you're at 70 and 90, even if you're in Illinois or a judicial state, which is not as desirable as Texas, because all states are not created equal and all $100,000 notes are not the same, okay? And there's different factors that go into value. So I, I think we're okay at 70 and 90 here. Um, and if we miss it a little bit, it's still not gonna be, the deal is not going to change where you wouldn't probably do the deal. It just might shift where you are. The other thing um, we have on here on the defaults, we have the default rates at nine point. Uh, I'm defaulting everything at 9.95 now. 
mm-hmm. on the first and the second. Um, I think you need to be at least at nine, nine and three quarters. And the reason is because the, the yield that the note buyer is going to want, they're going to want to see that, right? And the higher this is, that keeps it qualifying, will also eliminate how much the, the discount that you have to do. I see, a, we talked about that $28 billion industry. Well, the reason why a lot of those notes are sold at 82 cents on the dollar is because the seller wrote a 5% mortgage, okay? Well, if you sell, if you write a 5% mortgage, Jeff, and, and the note buyer wants a 10% yield, you have to discount the note so they can get the yield up. Right. That's why you got to discount it down. So following these best business practices that we put forth and following the underwriting protocol that we, 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 we established, this is what's going to get you to this 90% number instead of the 82 to 84%. Okay. Any, so other, any questions on this? So let, let me ask you a question, Nick, because um and I, I already know this answer, but I, I think people will want to know this. So when you're charging 9.95%, there's probably, and, and you did mention it before when you were talking ZHVI, that you want to stay around that median home price or lower. And my guess is the reason for that is that when you look at what the interest, when, when you look at what someone's, the owner finance buyer's payment will be that it would be nice if it is in the vicinity of what it would be for rent is that correct yes i mean it's getting it's harder some, and harder to some to degree do, right it's I, getting harder and harder yeah. to do that but um but the, the short answer is yes but you know if you really want to get granular with it and we're not gonna do it on this call you have to understand that the buyer gets benefits of home ownership right, right. They get to deduct the interest expense. They get to deduct property tax. Okay. So what they're doing in the payment, if they're paying an extra $300 a month more than rent, for example, okay. And that's $3,600 more in that they paid out of their pocket. They may be getting a deduction of $10,000 on their taxes. So the net effect of it, in theory, could be less than what it would cost them for rent. Yeah, but that's yeah. a difficult calculation, yeah. and it's not something you're going to share with your with your buyer, uh, except the fact that go look your interest expense and your taxes, your interest expense and your taxes are deductible on your IRS. Yeah, what is because when they balk at nine point nine five percent, the question is, well, what's your what's the interest what's your interest rate on rent? Right. Well, what, well, what can you go get at the bank? Oh, I can't go to yeah. the bank. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, people because rent, you get no value from rent, right? As a bar, as a tenant, you pay a thousand dollars a month. That money is gone forever. You don't get a rebate. You don't get a refund, right? right. So, do you want to pay a thousand dollars a month and get no value out and have no ownership, or do you want to pay thirteen hundred dollars a month and get a ten thousand dollar refund at the end of the year? Because of your, your where you are from a tax right tax level right so but but it does time, become a little more difficult to sell higher end houses right yes. where you might have a four hundred thousand dollar home that yes. is starting to approach a four thousand dollar a month payment yes because what happens in in nicer properties is they get more expensive rents aren't relative to the value right yep. 
a $400,000 house isn't a $4,000 payment. It's a 2,500, maybe a $3,000 rent payment. Right. And now you're making the, now you're at, now the, 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 the range is getting bigger. Do you, do you want to own for 4,000? Do you want to rent for 3,000? Right. Okay. And the median price points in the lower stuff. Hey, do you want to own it for 1,200 or you want to rent it for a thousand? It's a lot smaller gap. Yeah. Right. That's the difference. Yep. Um, and that's it. Cause in there. So the model works good. It's a good tool to establish on what you want to do. And not all deals will fit into this model. Not all deals are seller finance and deals. But what I was going to tell you on this, let me go back and put this back the way that it was supposed to be. Um, I need to change this back up to 19,000. I want to show you the last thing and then we'll, I think we'll be done. Okay. So this is what I bought it for 126. Okay. We're going to write a Let's see, make sure I got this in there. We'll probably write this because I know the property. I know the value. I am confident writing this at a little higher note value. I've already got a buyer for it. So in this example right here, okay, for illustration purposes, we bought this house from a wholesaler. That's what the acquisition price, 126. The wholesaler made $5,000 on this deal. Yep. What do you mean? Okay. He's completely out of the transaction. By me structuring the deal the way I did, I'm going to make $8,000 almost in cash now. He made $5,000. Mm -hmm. So I already made almost $3,000 more. Plus I get a, this free and clear second note at $30,975, $271 a month. That has a 10-year value of $28,379. So what does that mean? I want to go down to this last table because we didn't finish this earlier. So this little orange box is sort of like the deal summary, if you will, right? So let's just go through it. So here is the second lean cash flow is gonna be $271 a month. So this little, what I'm doing here is I'm projecting out 10 years, okay? The note might pay off in two years, it may go 30. I'm just using it as a snapshot, okay? So what does this mean? Based on doing this deal structure, based on writing a first and a second lien note, selling the first, keeping the second, getting cash flow and the whole cash. What does this mean? In 10 years, based on this calculation, okay, it's gonna be the 10 year cash flow, uh, the cash now, is, we're looking at this column, let me move this up. We're looking at this column right here, this column right here, because this is the deal, okay? Because this is using the hard money. Okay, we're going to have cash now is not going to change in 10 years. We're still going to get the same cash now because we're not going to get any more cash than when we get it today. That's 79.68. The 10 year cash flow is basically 120 months at 271. That's another $32,482 worth of cash flow, 271 times 120 months. The 10 year future note value is 28379 okay that's the crazy part that's the crazy thing so let me i'm going to i'm going to pull up i'm going to show the i'm going to show this visually because i think this is really really important this is why we do these deals okay the total value based on this this assumption for 10 years this deal is worth $68,830 with no risk and no cash out of pocket after 60 days. Now, I may, have, I may have had to put up money for earnest money to buy the house. 
my hard money lender may have maybe may have made me put up 10%, right? But the net of that after I sell the property gets me a positive cash. So yeah. you may have to float some cash, depends on who your lender is, if you have access to it. But the net, that's a short term, it's a short term leverage is all of this. So I'm going to use, so let's use this second lien value, 39.75. So I am going to pull up, I might have to change, I don't know if my screen will change with this. Did the calculator show up when I did it that? Does. Yep. All right. So let's look at this calculator real quick here. So I'm going to put 39, I think it was 30,950, I think is the number, right? And I'm going to, I'm going to put 9.95% in here. It doesn't matter if this is the exact one or yeah. not. The payment, right, is $270 a month. Okay. What does that mean? We talked about this before. See, here's the difference starting in month one. Interest is $256. Principal pay down is $13. Yep. That's it. They're paying, the borrower's paying me $270 a month, and they're only getting credit month one, $1,300. Each month, they get a little more credit. But let's just go out 10 years, 120 months. Or we're going to look out. They're going to make me $270 a month, $270 a month for, for 120 months, okay? My note is only 30,950. 30, well, if I take 30,950 and I divide that by 270, I'm going to have all my money in 114 months, plus I'm going to get the back. And this is no cost basis on this. So let's go out 120 months. Let's just say that buyer ends up refinancing it, sells it, or pays it off. The game's over, okay? So in 120 months, remember, this is a free and clear asset that we have, Jeff. There's no debt on this. That's right. Right? We, we, this is what our profit in doing the deal is. So I'm going to go out to 120 months. Here's 120 months right here, okay? In 120 months, what let's think about this. You, the buyer that you sold it to sells the house. What happens? They open title. What happens then? The title company calls the bank for a payoff. Who's the bank? Me. You're the bank. I'm the bank. Yep. They're going to say, Bank of Jeff, uh, uh, you're, uh, we need a payoff for the second lien that you're holding. Um, what's the payoff? And you're going to say, the payoff is 28000 $122. Think about that for a second. It was only, it was, it, it's only gone down, not even $2,000. It's uh, crazy. That's the value of amortization. And when you understand amortization and you can learn how to be the bank, this is it. That's why I want to have as many of this, as much as this free and clear. And I would much rather leverage a little bit of cash today to get the note because I'm going to get, look at what this is worth. Here it is right here. 30 years, you'll pay $97,000. So if this went full term, I know we're showing it at 10 years. If it did go full terms, 270 a month, 270 a month, 270 a month is what we're collecting. That's uh, at, at the end of that time, we're going to have we're gonna, some of that 270 goes to pay down the principal pay down because we're going to be wiped out, but it's going to be worth $97,000 to us. Not bad on something that didn't have a cost basis. My opinion, right? That's totally it. Agree. So 120 months, man, there, there, there it is. And you can see how much of that goes to principal and how much it goes to interest. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of amortization, man. I love so, it. Hopefully that, uh, hope that was good. Any other questions on that or? What do you, you think, know, Cody? I know it's a lot to digest, but, you know, the best thing people can do is download the model, 
it's a um, cash flow uh, cash flow deal machine. Is that what it is? Yes. Okay, I think it's what it is. We'll put it in the chat. Yep. Um, you can download that and then go watch the tutorial video. They can join our private Facebook group, which is Facebook groups and then Creative Deal Maker. And then we this is all the stuff that we do, and we show people exactly how to structure deals, how to stain the deal. And the reason why we do, because we're note buyers, Jeff, and when I can teach people how to create these notes, then I can come in and buy the note and I know it's created correctly. And, you know, at the end of the day, everybody wins. Right. You'll pay more for one that's done the right way. I'm buying that nice truck that we talked about, the F-150. That's right. I'm buying the, I'm buying the, uh, I'm willing to pay a little bit more for a, for a vehicle that's in pristine condition, because even though I might be able to fix it, I don't want to be the mechanic, right? That's that's exactly it. Because if I don't have to do that, I can spend my time and go do go do a different deal. Cody, did you have any questions? I I, I know that was like huge overload, but I no, I think that made a lot of sense, and I think you covered all the basics and you have a pretty good understanding of how the model works, how the process works in general, and like you said, if myself or the viewers have questions in the future check out their facebook group we'll have it linked you can ask those and there'll be a lot of great resources in there i'm sure awesome well we're here you know how to reach out to us hope this helps out um i love this strategy matter of fact i own no stocks i haven't owned a stock and i don't know the last stock i own to be quite honest with you um i don't own any crypto I don't, I don't, the reason being is I, I, cause I like dealing with known quantities. That's just me. I'm older than I'm not 20. If I was 20, I might want to have rental properties. Okay. But since I'm older, I don't want rental properties because I know I don't want to do the work that has to do it. There's, there's plenty of investment strategies that are all these real estate strategies. They all work every single one of them. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about execution now. You have to be able to execute. And I just like dealing with known quantities. I like the model and that's what I do. And hopefully other people will see the value in it as well. Totally agree. Hey, Nick, it has been an absolute pleasure <laughs> having you on and you are a wealth of knowledge. Uh, oh. People would be crazy not to check out your <laughs> Facebook group, your office hours. Come on in. Um, and download that spreadsheet. Uh, at the very least, to want to know more, to to continue that growth in your real estate career. Uh, I, it's so important, especially with the changing market right now. Um, you got to be open and willing to adapt to changing markets. So. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh, you know, maybe we can do this again some other, some other time. Sounds good to me. Bye, right, guys. Thank you, Have Cody. Take care. Right. Take care. Thanks. Create some terms. All right. Thank you again.